four, three, two, one. Happy Season New Year! Two. Season two. Oh my gosh, we have done it. We have somehow survived season one. Enough <laughs> that the audience, our audience, has clamored for a season two. They it's have demanded just, it. They have just demanded it. They bring back this is the year. Uh, you know, we talked to all the studios and will we get a renewal? Uh, you know, oh my God. Talking to all, all kinds of distributors. Not only just the talk of the town, <laughs> we're the talk of the <laughs> friends within our own circles. They all want more of my us. My mom's been talking about us. My my grandparents. Unbelievable. Yeah. My neighbor across the street's been talking about us, even though he hasn't listened yet. It's crazy. Exactly. Even <laughs> if they don't listen, they want more of us somehow. We are at the end of a decade, Mark. Not oh my gosh, that is right. Oh my God. Where did, where did 10 years go? But Seriously. not a decade of this is the year. A decade, you know, 2020 yeah, yeah. to 2020. Yeah, the, what are we calling this decade? The tens, the... The ought nots. Uh, we're talking it the we're we're calling it the twenty tens. The twenty that yeah. that seems so lame and blase. I okay. Whenever CNN, mm. whoever like CNN, CBC, whatever they want to call in their year end sort of thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll just take their name. I I, I forget what they said about. Do it. you do do you at the end of a uh, well? I guess because this would be yeah. Because there's no way you would have done it last time. Like w- this would be essentially. Uh, a millennial's first time really putting together a best of the decade list. Cause in 2010, how old were we, you know, like, eh, like I, I was like six, seven when the new year came in. So right. it's just, okay. Okay. You know, okay. there's stuff that you remember as a kid yeah. that, you know, might play into nostalgia if you're to do a whole best of the decade thing. But I feel like this is the first, at least for me, this is the first decade in which I can sit here and say, okay, I remember what I was doing in 2010. Yeah. But in 2009, I wasn't saying, oh, I remember what I, what I was doing in 2000 because I was five years old, right? So uh, do you put together like a best of the year? I try to. Usually I'm so bad at it. Uh-huh. The, here's the thing. I'm more of a movie guy. I'm more of a television guy. Not so much on music. A few contemporary acts I listen to, yeah. but not enough to give a giant critique of, oh, this is the best, you know, wiggly air sound that I've heard of the past 10 years. <laughs> Uh, what were you doing 10 years ago? What was I doing 10 years ago? I was, I was in grade 11 at the community Hebrew Academy of Toronto at the Tenenbaum, Tenenbaum Chat Kimmel family campus at the Kimmel family education center. I forget. There was a whole bunch of acronyms. That's, that's, that, that branch of the school actually has closed down since, which is kind of sad because it was my concrete rectangular glass prison in a mud hole. (laughs) <laughs> like it was a new building when I came in during grade nine, like when I started high school yeah. within 10 years, the buildings like no more for no more for that school. Like oh, wow. the, the um, tuition was like crazy high. Parents couldn't really pay it. Yeah. They, they just could not justify the operating cost to keep it. So they've, um, they've amalgamated the North campus and South campus into uh-huh. the South campus. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I was, how's uh, that awesome? A school closed down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Well, I what, know exactly. What so, do you say to that? So what? Where did they? Well, so they they moved everyone in. So that was it. Like, were you? Was it too? Was it just too crammed? Like, was it? Well, no. Well, I've been gone since they've actually amalgamated the school within the last two three years. Okay. So I I, I have no idea, but there's enough justification because again tuition costs so much that they could yeah. combine the schools. Yeah. 
and you know have it just cost as much as one school. Anyway, okay. we're getting way off topic. Well, I okay, way so off topic. in 2010, I was uh, I so I attended Cardinal Carter Academy for the, for the arts. I was in uh, I was in grade ten drama. Oh, grade ten drama. Okay, yeah. I took. Uh, I mean, I I I took my first. Uh, semi solo trip like i i went to uh italy with my with my grade 10 class and that mm-hmm. was my first sort of uh realm into uh the independent world uh right before i left my mom sort of gave me gave me this book called notes to my son which made me uh Aww. cry hysterically Aww, on the plane or just uh, or just like every day you'd read a day, page and just be a bawling mess you know, i think i think one day I, I was i found it in my luggage uh like it was at the bottom of my luggage and i think i was looking for something i opened up a zipper and i was like oh my god and i saw this book i also beginning of the decade i studied in italy for four months Yep. Yeah, that crazy. one I definitely you remember telling like that, on the podcast many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was nuts. So I think I this decade, at least for me, uh, has been a lot about I guess as much as anybody else finding finding that independence and finding what I'm um, what I'm best at, uh, what I'm best at on my own, sort of thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. So learning more about myself in regards to like <clears throat> even just traveling alone understanding that I, and we, I, I think we've, we've spoken about this before traveling. Yeah. Uh, right. And, Definitely. and, uh, this decade has been a great, a great decade for that. And in, in, uh, regards to, I guess, just finding that independence and, and now knowing or semi knowing what I like and what I don't like using the next decade to sort of like experiment with that. Yeah. Right? And with this decade, I, fi- I feel like I've in a way started to take more control of my life and come to my own terms of just, uh, uh-huh. Not not like just being independent, but knowing what kind of path I want to go on to. Right. When I was in high school, it was kind of aimless. I felt, you know, going to a business stream was more of the, you know, sim- uh, not similar. What's the word I'm thinking safer? of? Safer. Safer, yeah, safer. Yeah. The safer route for, you know, a, a good life. Well, I mean, give yourself a little bit of credit. Who in high school is really walking around? Nobody. I, well, yeah, I Nobody. mean, everybody's like people are confident about what they enjoy, but nobody is really like. I mean, I know that I wanted to. I knew I liked movies. I want to be a filmmaker, but I didn't have like a, a plan necessarily. I didn't walk around and say, "Well, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it, and this is who I'm going to do it with." It was just sort of like a feeling, yeah, sort of like a a mood, I guess. Yeah, know? yeah, and and it's just between you know graduating high school, going to Wilfrid Laurier, then to York, then to film school, yeah. and then working, and then back to York, and yeah. finally convocating in October, and now being in this master's program for film preservation. It, it's like, I feel like I'm in control of where I want to go. Amazing. Yeah. So, Great. yeah, in like, with this decade, I'm just hoping to at least get a job and earn some money, for God's <laughs> sake. Please, the job market. <laughs> Well, you got, uh, you got, you got, you got 10 years to figure that out. Yeah. 10 year plan. Nice. When we come back, when we come back in 2030. For season uh, 12. We'll see if I got, we'll see if that happens. Uh, listen, I, you know, I, I'm really excited for this season of this podcast specifically. I'm, uh, I'm excited for the guests that we're bringing on. You know um, what I'm more excited about for what? this podcast? We got three mics going, so now we can both be talking That's to exactly. our guests. Exactly. Can we talk about that for a second? This shout out to Dwayne. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dwayne, our sound engineer, has 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 amped up this room at Astrolab Studios. He has literally he has set up three mics, which is something we've been wanting to do for a while. Yep. We've changed 
the chair formation. I know you guys can't see it, but I'm telling you, it's amazing. And we got, uh, I don't know, is it, the audio equipment is is still uh, fantastic. It's still the same, but it's, it's, still, it's same, still amazing, it's, still giving us the great content that we need. Exactly. And it's just opened up the space a lot more. Yeah. Uh, maybe Dwayne should become an interior designer or something. Maybe. I maybe. don't know. But also, like, <laughs> shout-outs to Adam and to Jeff because uh, we, we – Jeff Hanley. Yep. Yeah. I mean, lately, over the last couple months, like – more and more like Astrolab's becoming bigger and oh bigger. And like we're, we are so excited and so elated and so happy that we are so happy to be in that company. Yeah. In that, in that, uh, in that environment really. And, and to see, yeah. Cause I've been, I, I've been coming to Astrolab studios for the last few years and to see where they've come from is, is fantastic and, and very inspiring and to walk in here and uh, and always, every day, whenever I'm in here, I always see new creatives in here. You yeah. know what I mean? It's never the same people, which is which is amazing to know that they are expanding their network. Yeah. You want to introduce our guest? Oof, oof. I like oof. To, you. You know our guest more than I do. I feel like I if do. I were to introduce him, that would be a huge injustice. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Rodney. Oh, it's Rodney. Oh, oh my goodness. Are you here? Oh wow. I just I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> I thought I heard y'all talking and I was like, oh, wow, I should just show up. Amazing. Here I am. Rodney, uh, Rodney Diverlis, he is the uh, co-founder of Black Lives Matter Toronto. He is a remarkable artist, very versatile. Uh, both um, uh, He works in both theater and in dance uh, and also in film, which is where we met. Uh, we will, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to let, I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him uh, tell you guys about himself. But you know what? Before we do that, yes, we've got an ad break. Hey, folks, do you need studio space, equipment, maybe somewhere to chill out and tackle that new idea you had a while back? Well, Astrolab Studios is the destination for all your pre-production, production, and post-production needs. Astrolab has flexible in-house studio and post-audio bookings. On-site equipment packages available so you can save time and money with experienced staff to ensure your production runs smoothly. They've been supporters of This Is The Year since day one, making this little dream of ours come true. So, why not show them some love? Visit astrolab.studio and make this the year your project takes off. find uh, better ways Spice to spice it up. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Rodney, welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome happy to, to be podcast, here. Thank man. you. Thank you. Oh it's so exciting for you to be chatting, here. Chatting, chatting. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first time we've done a three-way chat. Oh, wow. It's quite yeah. Your first three-way. It's quite exciting. You always remember well, the first three-way. maybe not the first three-way in life, but yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> three-way chat. Get your mind out of the gutter. Where oh, was that at? Hey, 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 hey. Don't you make it about that. I wasn't talking. We're all making assumptions here. Oof, <laughs> oof. Tell uh, us, uh, who are you? Who am I? Wow. I mean, I think you introduced me well. Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm just a person, just trying mm. to trying to make some art, trying to change the you're world, being, trying you're to being be very modest. Being very <laughs> modest. Uh, what sort of. Uh, tell us about what what are you working on right now? What kind of an artist are you? Yeah, so I am tr uh, interdisciplinary in my approach and my work. So mm -hmm. I am trained uh, as a, a dancer and an actor. Um, I went to Ryerson for dance. And um, right away, I think in, in my major, I realized that actually my interests lie in 
sort of like the in-between of disciplines. So I really, I really do enjoy performing. I enjoy choreographing. I enjoy producing. I enjoy acting. I enjoy, you know, everything down to, to puppetry. So Ooh, wow. yeah, in my work right now, I, I moved back to Toronto. I was working with a, uh, f- with a dance company out West for, uh, since I graduated and moved back to Toronto about a year and a half ago um, to sort of take the reins of my my own artistic practice. And oh, wow. right now it's it's really, it's a blend of it all. So um, I am in any given day, I have a couple of hours where I'm rehearsing for someone else, like dancing, interpreting. Yeah. Um, but then I have also to meetings for productions that I'm, 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 I'm working on. I have to choreograph a couple of solos in the fall. So it's it's juggling and balancing all that it all that the universe has given my basket <laughs> my yeah. basket and I'm thankful I'm very very happy and thankful to be working and um, to be doing things that I love track back for a second when you mm-hmm. say that you're you're choreographing you said you were choreographing for others I'm um, dancing for others dancing so for I others. think as, yes. as dancers you know the most of the time we spend most of the time interpreting okay. so we call ourselves an interpreter so you're a choreographer hires you brings you into for a project and you're just dancing and normally most dancers will just like dance till your body breaks down and then go and choreograph there's a little bit of a shift that's happening a lot in our generation I think that there's a lot a lot of us are seeing ourselves as creators we're um you know we're not really waiting I'm not waiting for my body to be broken down to create when I have the ability to interpret and to create right now. So I think that that's a big generational shift. A lot of dancers you see are making their own work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in this particular economy as well, being a full-time dancer, you have to make it for yourself because there just aren't that many companies left standing. Yeah. So it 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 if you are able to create and generate work and to be able to choreograph and to make and to mold and to curate work, then you're going to find a little bit more more opportunities. And I think that someone, you know, mentor told me that when I was, a when I was in school and I always enjoyed creating, I enjoy making, I just have so much to say. (laughs) And when you're interpreting, people don't actually realize how, for the most part, dancers, you know, you like actors, you have, you can bring a lot to your character, but you have a script, you have like a something that's handed to you. So you're mostly interpreting someone else's vision. Yeah. Um, especially in dance, like it's very much is um, down to even the quality of how you perform. Sometimes choreographers really want, you know, like a director will work with an actor, but then the actor will take the reins and will do whatever they like, will bring their own selves. Right. And that is definitely what it's like in dance. But mm-hmm. I find that there's definitely more freedom in creating and curating and imagining sort of worlds and possibilities beyond. So do you find now. you find there's less of a despite having a choreography, there's there's less of a structure? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, and this whole world is so different, right? Like it's yeah. even it's even more the the dance sector is even different than when I went to school and I went to school 2008 right so uh, it's it, it is very much like everyone's making it <laughs> everyone's just everyone's trying to make it what it should be in this present day but yeah. it's you know there's not I'm I'm lucky and I'm fortunate because I'm making work for myself but for most other young dancers it is a whole new era it's a whole new era mm-hmm. of 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 work, a whole new era of, of being an artistry. When I went to school, you know, uh, one of my profs, and I think she meant this as an insult. (laughs) She really did. You know, she was like, Rodney, you know, when I was in school, I was, 
I was like, I was taking time off. I was doing student student politics. I was like, you know, or I was like volunteering a lot. I was taking breaks off of school to go do work. Yeah. I was auditioning for shows. Like you yeah. weren't allowed to do professional shows, but I just wanted to get my, I wanted to be in the industry. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I was auditioning. I was constantly doing so much. And she was like, you know, Rodney, like you are, you are a jack of all trades. And if you don't settle down and focus and, you know, she's a traditionalist, right? If you don't settle down and choose one, you'll never be a master. And I oh so like the traditional wow. yeah you're, very you're, much so you're a jack of all trades and a master of none exactly and it was Ooh. like it was it was a backhanded compliment because she handed me a book a gift you know like a, and you know when you're a student and a prof gives you a gift you're like oh like you like you're investing in me la 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 yeah yeah and I got the gift was a book that looked at like you know ten thousand hours to master something and it it was very much an old economy old way of thinking where you go you find where you want to do and you sit there till you retire and then you become an expert by the time you're 65 and you've been doing the same thing for 40 years of course you're a master but it's a different world now and i think that um i think that growing up in this sort of like growing up while the shift of this world is happening has really inspired like has really given me the freedom to like become a jack of all trades whether or not i master anything i think that my audiences really enjoy interdisciplinary my work thrives whenever I, I bring in multiple modalities yeah. even you know even my organizing like activism even when we organize protests you know part of the reason I love BLM protests is because I could bring my choreographer hat into it so we're not just bringing a hundred people on the streets like there's how do how do a hundred people walk in unison how do we create a sort of uniformity how do we bring in performance elements into the work so yeah. I'm always finding places for the avenues to crisscross and yeah. I think that's um, it's so far it's served me well. So I've been very, been very thankful. The biggest, I think the most interesting advice that I've gotten from a teacher, uh, cause I was very, cause I was a very optimistic mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, even now, I mean, I have, <clears throat> I have a very sort of, uh, uh, positive mind mm-hmm. and outs and, um, outlet and, and, you know, I, I, I think that's, greatly in part because I am often surrounded by support. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very, mm-hmm. uh, I'm very privileged, uh, to be able to, you know, uh, come home to a family who, who likes what I'm doing mm-hmm. or, or work with people mm-hmm. that, you know, like I, uh, as any artist, I have like, you know, several jobs. Mm-hmm. And so when I walk into these part-time jobs mm-hmm. that aren't, you know, um, forever, mm-hmm. I, I walk in and, um, and what I mean by not forever is like, I feel like a lot of creatives do part-time jobs. I call that, them Joe jobs. As dancers, we call them Joe jobs. Joe jobs or Joe jobs. So is that what? What is? So those are jobs that you're you're just kind of pay the bill jobs. Ah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, pay the gotcha. bill jobs. Yeah, but yeah, jobs yeah. you still enjoy. Still enjoy. Oh, okay. I I mean I don't think any again if you have the privilege to work work that you enjoy. Yeah, that is like that is thank the universe and be thankful. There you go. Mm-hmm. And so I I uh, I walk into my jobs and you know I, I uh, they're like oh my god I haven't seen you in so long. Mm-hmm. How was the shoot? Like you made another movie or you did this festival, mm-hmm. you did this thing. Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. And and so I was always like I've always sort of had that optimism about mm-hmm. me and there was this one day where my teacher just pulls me aside and she's like, "You know what?" And she sits me down and she's like, you know, life's tough, kiddo. Mm-hmm. Get used to it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look both ways, you're going to get hit by a Mack truck. Mm-hmm. That's what she said. Yeah. And it was insane. This is, this is an elementary school. This was in, uh, I believe this was in 
grade like four or something, mm-hmm. but I was still very into drama mm-hmm. at that age. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I started off acting and, mm-hmm. uh, I too was like, you know, leaving school to go on audition for mm-hmm. projects and, mm-hmm. and, uh, as you should, anybody listening to this, don't yes. listen to them. Oh, of do course. the audition. Absolutely. <laughs> I actually, I went to an arts school mm-hmm. and they got mad at me for skipping class yes. early to go to an audition. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then I got that audition. They saw me in the commercial and they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, you can yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Well, right? it's like you can learn. You can either learn how to perform in school, or you can perform right. and then learn how to perform by performing. Yeah, so exactly. if, if you if you have performing opportunities, take it because that's literally why learn about it through a book when you can actually just stand in and do it. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, in regards to these teachers too, it's like these are influences as you're younger that will essentially uh, determine sometimes, sometimes determine your outcome. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Right? Um, absolutely. and so again, yeah, you know, fortunate enough to, to have that support. So, so for you, I guess, growing up as an artist, like, did you, did you always have that support even from a young age? It was a little bit of a mix, to be honest with you. So okay. I, 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 I grew up in a family of four sisters Okay, and I'm the only artistic one. So imagine oh. one boy, four sisters. Four sisters. Huh. Most people think, you know, it's your sisters that got you into dance. Did you follow one of your sisters to dance? But like, I've om- always been the one, one, like the one that had the most interest in arts, the arts as a practice. Uh-huh. So I really don't, I really don't know what motivated me to get here. To be honest with you, besides just a sheer desire to want to do it. Yeah, my parents weren't that supportive of my artistic practice. I think that they're Haitian immigrants. They, you know, from Haiti, they left, left Haiti. We moved to the States, yeah. uh, you know, as refugees. And in part, my parents were really wanting us to succeed. And I think that it, them not wanting me to be an artist is their genuine fear that I wouldn't make it. And their genuine desire for me to do better than they did economically. And I think that that sort of drive is hard for a lot of people. And it's the reason why a lot of people stop doing arts and performing but then on the flip side ever since I was really young my parents have always told me I was boundless so I'm very lucky that I had parents that I had teachers that saw spark in me that always nobody until I got to university I never felt like there was restrictions to my capacity to be a human being so I could be the nerdy kid that played a couple of sports that loves drama and dance like there I I was I was lucky in that aspect so even though my parents didn't What's interesting is that I was like, I'm always like my parents. I always tell my parents, even though you didn't, you don't, you didn't necessarily support me becoming an artist, but you spending since I was a kid telling me I can be whatever I want ended uh-huh. up <laughs> backfiring on y'all. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. by that point, by the point that I was a teenager, I actually was like, no, I, I can, I, if I, if I want to just be, you know, uh-huh. like if, if my job is just to screw this cap on this cap, I can yeah. do it the best that I can do. Uh Right. So I feel like I was just I have nothing to complain about in terms of the kind of motivation that pushed me to do this. But I'm not going to lie in that. Like it it, it was an anomaly in my entire community, my friends, my it's it when I said I'm going to go and do be a like my parents thought I was going to be a lawyer, to be honest with you. Like that was up until 
up until we sign up, like, <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know how old y'all are, but like, remember when we signed up at, for the universities, uh-huh. there's three choices. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Up until the selection, was I was o- like. O- OUAC or? OUAC, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like I that? was like, you oh, go wow. in, like stressed. You're like, ah, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta select my school. Wait, wait, so hold on. Like, so, so hold on. How many, how many schools did you actually like put in or choose? And I paid for extra. So you could do three, I, I which was two. free. And I then you could two. pay for extras. Yeah. How many did you do? I applied for five schools. I d- yeah. So I did. Was there a cap? There, uh, okay, so I, I think it was six or eight is the cap. Yeah, yeah, max. So, there's a couple. Well, no, well, well, no, because then three is the cap, but then if you want to go can pay No, three, pay, three is like the that's initial, then you, and then afterwards so like you had it's to, extra. You had to go three initial, and then, yeah, oh, wow. You pay, yeah. And like, and I, and I, it was Did like I my, do that? I did you remember. pay extra? Do you only I, don't, I think so. It's like 50 bucks do you, or something. Yeah, well, it was like, yeah. It was like, do you remember which schools you applied for and which programs? Oh, okay, okay. I think I do. I think I do. I think I do. I think I do. Okay. Okay. U of T. Um, I was just gonna major in poli sci. U of T. Mm-hmm. So I just did a general yeah. arts. I'm kidding. Yeah, but that was the. I, pa- I listen. I. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, ill. Actually, I do agree. No, I'm kidding. no, no, no. If anybody's totally listening joking. to this, I'm totally a, joking. It was a path to law school. It was like it was okay, the necessary yeah. path to law school at yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, I applied to McMaster. Uh, I applied to Ryerson. Where else did I apply? I applied to UBC. Okay. And okay. I applied to McGill. Okay. Ah. So those two were out of province. Yep. Um, but still had to apply through OUAC back in the days. Like still had to go through the same portal yeah. to get in. I guess cause just because you're in Ontario. Well, I, I think it's because, hmm, actually I, I would no. be the wrong person to answer same that. Same portal. It, it's the same portal only because it, because you do go to school in Ontario. And I think it's because of looking at the high school grades because you're located. By transcripts. On, yeah. Probably. Uh, that would okay. make sense. I also, I mean, back then also it, it helps central, like you, you weren't dealing with the schools. You dealt with the system, like with the. The OUAC, whatever. Oh, yeah, and, and whatever. The school, yeah. rather, you having, which is different than the states. The states, you have to individually go to the individual school and apply. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to, yeah. like, send an application to Harvard, to yeah. University of Florida, to whichever university you want to. So I appreciated the batch. But uh-huh. I, I did, you know, I, I went to the Ryerson audition. And I, I, I'm prefacing this also in terms of, like, my artistic practices. At that time, 18, 2008, dance was... My, I loved it the most, but it wasn't really my strongest. Ah. Like I was a stronger actor. I had been working professionally as an actor. I had, I had some things under my belt. Like I. In theater. In theater. In theater. Okay. Specifically in theater. Yeah. I, yeah, I was definitely stronger in theater. I just like, I just couldn't fathom just pay, <laughs> spending four years in a theater program. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was, it, I, I, auditioned the dance program really attracted me there was something about the technical the technical skill that comes out of that four years and i was like that's the most value for my money interesting well i mean four-year program like in general i mean i think we've we've spoken about this before market where it's like art schools in general those programs uh specifically in university where you're honing in on your craft Mm -hmm. for me it was all about collaboration absolutely like i'm going to film school Mm -hmm. not like yes to make movies but then as soon as i'm there I think very early on, mm-hmm. me and like a group of friends mm-hmm. realized that like, this isn't it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what absolutely. I mean? After you get out of film absolutely. school, theater school, absolutely. what's left? Absolutely. Spot on. Right. Yeah. Spot on analysis. Like it's, you're, you're, you're there as a launching pad. So if there's an ability to, to, to start bouncing on the launching pad, just do it. Exactly. And I think that, you know, like the people, 
the people that didn't have that analysis in theater school were people that forgot that like once we graduate we're gonna be in the same sector uh-huh. and in fact we're gonna That's be it. we're gonna be advancing at different paces so we're gonna be hiring each other we're gonna be or like some of us are gonna be doing more admin exactly. on admin producing like we're all gonna be engaging with each other in a different way and uh-huh. i think that it, it is anybody going to a performance arts program university college apprenticeship whatever there, you have to be one foot in, one foot out, I think. You have to be yeah. seeing what what can I apply? What can I apply? Who can I make collaborations well, with? That's the thing is that like I feel and that's <clears throat> that's the purpose of that as well, is that you're like you're building these connections, these foundational connections, and you should ultimately go back to these foundations mm-hmm. that you built mm-hmm. and uh, these connections that you made. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the festival that I run was built while we were in school. Mm-hmm. We started that when we were 18 mm-hmm. and still running now. Mm-hmm. The same people aren't on board, mm-hmm. but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is that like a group of uh, filmmakers and creators in this mm-hmm. sense got together and found the need to explore opportunities Absolutely. outside of those four Absolutely. walls. And to be honest, school's not cheap. Right, no. like I, I went to school when it was the beginning of the people call it the beginning of the end in terms of tuition fees. So right uh-huh. before I went to school, there was a tuition fee freeze. But Dalton McGinty, the premier at the time, really the trend of successive year after year three to five percent tuition fee increases were not a thing until literally I went to school. Two thousand eight was the year of the market crash, and from two thousand eight, my tuition fees were like forty nine hundred. And I graduated in 2014 with like $7,100 tuition fees. So oh, wow. it, it, to me, it, it is a more and more imperative if you're putting that money out there anyways to read, get the things from the book, get as much as you can from your professor, drain them for other resources and use the space, use exactly. the facilities, use the studios, exactly. use the opportunity to create projects for free, use, use the free labor. Yeah, <laughs> like, there you go. Right? Like use the, the fact that everyone here needs a portfolio. Everyone here benefits from collaboration. And I think that you're spot on. Like the people that Thank are, you. that are first, second year already, like they're keeping their marks up, but they're focusing on like, let's work on together. Let's figure out some projects. Uh-huh. Let's put put some content out. Well, ultimately, ultimately the artist or, or, uh, the creator, let's call them is responsible for their, uh, portfolio. Mm-hmm. They're responsible mm-hmm. for their appearance, for their work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've learned that like <clears throat> opportunities are not going to necessarily just arrive at your doorstep. No. Yeah. You have to create those yeah. opportunities. And mm-hmm. so what you're saying about like, you know, these organizations that you're working with, but also choreographing your own, your own stuff that's necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think, I feel like a lot of people and I've heard people say, um, you know, Oh, I won't go on set unless I'm, you know, DPing the project Mm -hmm. or editing the project. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, sometimes you might not get those. You might not be on those projects and you're asked to DP, you're asked to edit. So that's just not how it works. And you know, it's like, I've never, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not that old, y'all. Like I'm, I'm talking, my, I'm, talk, I'm like, oh, yeah. So when I was younger, how old did you say you were in the other room? Like what? 29. 30, 35. Oh, oh sh- 29. 29. Don't. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. No, I just, you heard that. You heard that, right? I heard I like, that. 37, 35. No, but, I was hearing 35, but I'm like, oh, no, it's like, you said 99. I could do the math. Oh yeah. You don't okay. look, you said you were pushing there. You don't look. 30. I'm pushing 30. You don't look. No, but you don't as, look. As an aside, when y'all were talking about decades, is that I, my birthday's right on the decade. Yeah. on the cusp so like i was zero at 90 oh i was 10 2000 uh, i was i was 20 2010 and i'm turning 30 in 2020 so yeah i'm caught con- like the new- wrapping up the decades is always like the t- 
2010s was my 20s. So, like, so does that feel like ever weird where it's like you feel the new decade and like, shit, now I'm in my this year. And now it I'm in my feels this actually year. very easy to remember because I always know my age. It's just the end of the year. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. So, so you use it more of like, hold on. What's my age again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2018, I was 28. Like it's, <laughs> it feels it actually I'm, I'm a bit neurotic in that I enjoy things when they're whole. I like that it's rounded. It's like yeah. perfectly rounded. And it's like mm. my decade matches with the world's decade and that like my 20s was the 10s so when yeah. i look back to a decade i'm like i was in my 20s i was in my 30s i appreciate that yeah I so where were that. you 10 years ago oh my in, god in your 20 like i know you're in school but like what are you doing at that time you know what i was taking my first year off in 2010 i was just 20 Ah. Um, I just got elected, um, with the Ryerson Students' Union. So I was like really enticed by students' unionism, unionism. Yeah. I'm a unionist by heart, right? Like I, I believe in trade unions. I believe in collectively working together. Um, I'm, uh, you know, like it call me a socialist, whatever you want to, whatever the term <laughs> is, but I believe that people work better together. And I was a little bit tired of my program. Like I was tired of just coming putting in content and leaving. Yeah. So I actually took a year off and I was the first in my program to do that, to just take a year off voluntarily. Um, and I ran for the students union and then left school and moved to the students union office and did that for like three years, right at two, right at the cusp, like the cusp of the new decade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah. My parents were like, we were taking what a break. What? <laughs> and nobody believed that I would return, you know? And I don't know yeah. if I believed that I would return, but I, it was like, in I a way, to take a break. In a way, you kind of feel like you need that piece of paper in the back of the pocket because yeah. you never know. You never know down the road I mean, when you need to And you use do, it. right? And this is, yeah. this is partially part of the reason I really was... Again, university is the time for you to get into your politics, right? Yeah. There's no re there's no surprise that in the 60s it was students that uh, led most of the social movements that we know of. There's something about leaving home and realizing that the world you're inheriting is not the greatest. Once you leave the bubble, it makes sense for you to expand your yeah. whole notion You're, about the exactly. world. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was a really huge when I when I left uh I don't know about you guys, when I left school, uh that first year was so I just got so depressed. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Mm -hmm. Because it was this safe haven you were walking into every single Absolutely. day. You know what I mean? And it was like, well, what is my day-to-day -day schedule gonna Absolutely. be? Like we were talking about this earlier, mm -hmm. where like I'm <clears throat> I'm the kind of person that has to have sort of things planned out, but mm -hmm. only, like but up to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm flexible, obviously, and I love opportunities and adventures, but I'm someone who who likes that day-to-day, -day, who knows like, okay. This is my calendar. This is what I'm doing this week. Um, rather, if I just wake up and I almost have nothing to do, mm -hmm. that free time yeah, is spent figuring out yeah. what to do. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so leaving that, so leaving school for me, and and even Mark. Well, you're still in school because you're doing your masters now and stuff, right? But yeah. mm -hmm. but leaving that sort of, and I don't mean to say school is a safe haven. Like school is a very it's it's also very challenging it's and a it's, it's but it but it is and and. Uh, upon leaving it was like what's what's gonna happen now what yeah. am i doing yeah right yeah. I, I honestly <laughs> it's taken me a few years to realize that yeah honestly um, my first three months after graduation like from university like, from university yeah the like end of year partying hadn't finished because i just didn't know what i was gonna do <laughs> so uh, I, I i'm with you on that like the trend yeah. that the, the the sort of and again we live in a new world right so people are graduating now with 
in a way, uh, 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 endless opportunities, but in a way, limited opportunities. Exactly. So we have it's a like endless opportunities, but with but with limitless like possibilities. At, well, not limitless possibilities, like limitless ideas for like where you can actually you go can with go, it. Yeah, limited. Uh, it's it's, yeah. it's 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 like our generation. You know, our grandparents' generation. Most of the time, people would. Some people don't even go to school. They just know that, you know, if you are a yep. farmer's son, you're going to be a farmer. If you're a minor son, you're going to be a minor. Like there was a sense of, in a weird way, there's a path given. And now I love that we live in a world where people can just be whatever the hell they want. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. But in a way, we also live in a world where we can't do whatever we want because access isn't really there. So mm-hmm. it's a weird dichotomy where you're looking at, you're in a thriving economy and you're thriving be- best place we've ever been as a human species. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. But the sort of like the pie, the, the pool of resources, of money, of opportunities is definitely more concentrated. So Absolutely. I struggled. I was like, yeah. when I graduated, I was like, okay, like people, I'm not ready to be an artist, but people don't respect me unless I'm 45 and have a whole body of work. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you see, you see that oh, in your work. When, it's you're, like, when you're applying mm-hmm. to traditional jobs and they say, Oh, must have five, five years experience. experience. It's like, well, I, someone needs to give me that five years yeah. experience. 100%. Well, yeah. Right? We talked about this, the whole yeah. stupid catch 22. How am I supposed to get a job without experience? Job, yeah. How am I supposed uh-huh. to get experience without a job? Same with grants, same with funding. How am I supposed to get funding oh for work God, don't even to make work funding. without work? <laughs> it's so, I, well, not without yeah. work. Then you got to find somebody who, um, like who has had grants and mm-hmm. find a way if, that they can collaborate with you mm-hmm. so that right, right. you can have their name on the grant. So mm-hmm. that way, when your grant is approved, you can you now. Can, yeah, exactly. Sorry, say that one more time. I'm going to write that down. What should I do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to mark explain this for you <laughs> as somebody who's never gotten a grant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, 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 that's correct. I mean, uh, I, I just undertook one of the, uh, arguably one of the biggest films I've ever done and I had to personally fund it because mm-hmm. I was not eligible for yeah. a grant. Mm-hmm. They didn't care my other success. They didn't yeah. care. I do this, I do that. They're like, well, you haven't directed something outside of school. Yeah, absolutely. If we're going to trust you with our money, mm-hmm. you, you got to direct you're, something. You're, you're, so, you know, if your project, if your first project is some ambitious, you know, sci-fi, mm-hmm. well, you're going to have to fund that, show us it. And then if it's good, we'll give you money. And I think you that, know? you know, it's like, there's two things, like one, two things that really kind of frustrate me. I think it's okay for young artists to actually fail. Like, I think I agree. Yes. Like it's like, no. it's there's, you know, and, and similarly with you, I feel like I, I, you know, I was like, there's, where am I going to do with my career? Okay. Yeah. I, there, I, there's a dance company that really had an interest in me. It meant me moving out West, but it, it meant graduating in the first semester after having a full-time job in my field took it. Yeah. But for the, for those three years, I literally would siphon my own, like living in like, I would siphon my own paycheck to reinvest in myself because uh-huh. I knew that I had to do that to get out and have a body of work. Uh-huh. So I would literally like, and I was an apprentice my first year, apprentice pay anywhere at any sector is always the bottom of the ladder, right? Like yeah. t- taking that in and literally living off like the, as little as I can, just so I could have money to like continually produce some content, hire some dancers to do things, you know, and, and you know, this in film mm-hmm. and dance, <clears throat> we, you need people to make the work yeah. <laughs> you need well, yep. the work requires people yep. that's what to I, do the work. I was going to, I was going to track back to what you said, Ronnie, mm-hmm. about, um, about, cl- about, about people sort of working together for the product and not mm-hmm. necessarily, uh, not necessarily the result. Mm-hmm. And in which case, you know, I, I, 
I know a lot of people, a lot of people have varying opinions on this, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll create a discourse, but um, a lot of people feel the need that as soon as they get out of school, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I'm not going to do free work anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it and done. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a degree. Mm-hmm. I can't do free mm-hmm. work anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't think I will ever stop believing mm-hmm. in free work. Now, mm-hmm. now, don't get me wrong. I I believe in, you know, compensating people appropriately for the work mm-hmm. that they do, mm-hmm. right? Um, I work with dozens of artists who mm-hmm. are who are throwing their backs out to create mm-hmm. the best possible mm-hmm. product. And anything that I can give, mm-hmm. I will. Mm-hmm. But for people to say, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to work on this film. It's under mm-hmm. my day, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. For me, I think if the opportunity presents itself and it's an opportunity that although free or low pay is giving me the experience, Mm -hmm. is giving me the Mm -hmm. opportunity to like invest in myself, Mm -hmm. why am I not going to take it? Because you're playing the long game and some people don't. You have to play the long game. Exactly. What are are the, I don't know, what are the benefits of Mm -hmm. just going in and and expecting payment right away? I Mm -hmm. guess, you you know what I'm saying? Like those people, like I I know people like that and yeah, sure, they'll get the odd job or Mm -hmm. two, but they're not out creating all the time. Yeah. I'm I'm busting ass over here. You know, you're busting ass, Mark's busting ass. You know, people are like, people that strive to make work for opportunity rather than work for the result. Yeah, absolutely. I, are, I don't know. I'm not going to say you're not going to succeed, but like, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. You know? and, and, it, and, and especially in this economy and especially in this world. Right. Right. I mean, for in dance is always for me, it's like you just I follow my instincts. And to me, it's important to be open to all the possibilities while still having strict standards. So uh-huh. I'm. I will not do free work for an institution or a body. Like I will just, that to me is my hard no. Even if the opportunity is big by just principle, I'm like, if your organization is a multi-million dollar organization, uh-huh. you can pay me lunch. Like you can, yeah. you can. But I think yeah. that that's sort of like you said, the sort of I'm only doing this level of work does close you off from collaboration yeah. with people amongst your field. Yeah. And, you're, and to me, it's about respect Right, like you know, I've collaborated with people, or I've done work um, with other fellow artists, where we're like, okay, both of us don't have funding to make this work happen. We're not paying ourselves to make this work happen, but we're both collaborators in this, and that my brain and your brain can both lead the project, and both of us have shared ownership of it. So then we're both winning. Then it's not, it's there's nothing exploitative about it. We both have a body of work that we can both use in our portfolios, and we both drove it. Like we both can put our names writing credit <laughs> you know you can hey eric this kind of sounds like our podcast yeah <laughs> it's your work it's your work well, it's your I intellectual mean, but, work but i think but in i don't know in regards to this project i mean like i sorry this in this podcast rather um i i personally i think it's i think it's beneficial to create a space mm-hmm. in which people can come in and talk like yeah. this you know what i mean like yeah sure eventually maybe we you know we get sponsors or we get we get we get people interested i mean yeah sure you know we have to make a living mm-hmm. But at the same time, would I rather be doing anything else right mm-hmm, now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I'll get back to this maybe towards the end, but mm-hmm. like a conversation that we had mm-hmm. about a year and a half mm-hmm. ago is what prompted me mm-hmm. to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'll get back to that and say, I, I, I hope I don't forget, but um, it was a conversation that we had in regards to doing work that served your purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, 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 and yes, we'll, we'll get back to that, but... Um, Again, it's like, you know, I was going to produce this project Mm -hmm. and um, the long story short, you know, the director ended up backing out because they didn't want to finance any of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, 
if you're not willing to put in the work for the grants, mm-hmm. if you're not willing to put in the work, like you're the director, mm-hmm. you're the top of the chain. Yeah, you got to yeah. lead this tribe. Yeah. You got to lead this group. If you're not willing to put in the work for whichever grants or at least put in a little bit of money into mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but like, it's not going to happen. No, no, it's not no. going to happen. I think there, there's a, there's a <laughs> level in it's, it's, there's a level of investment that needs to happen all around. There is like make it happen however it needs to happen, I think is a good mindset to have. And I also think it's so important to remember, like I always, my sister and I always talk about like, we never, we haven't made it. (laughs) Like we haven't, we haven't made it, whatever it means for you. Yeah. And I don't know if I'll ever make it because I think I'll always be a a hustler and a grinder. Can I challenge, can I challenge what you said about making it Mm -hmm. and, what is your idea of making whatever that means for you? So I think that for me, to me, I, there's a level of breathing and comfort Uh that I would like to have. I would like to have a moment where I can take care of both of my parents. That to me, it's not, it's not, it's like not in relation to where I want to be in my career. I think it's in relation to where I want to be in my life, which will be Uh, because of my career, Okay, a kind of lifestyle that I want to have a sort of, ability to breathe i've seen my my parents will not retire we'll keep working like they'll just that's just the nature of what it means to migrate in the city in this country 15 years ago and have you know you and i have been working when did you i started working when i was 16 were you you were young were you young uh working like, like creatively working, or? No, working working like oh working, just like working like, like working getting job. a paycheck first job 15 15 so 15 16 yeah so you I would, mean whatever the legal age is like 16 i think so yeah, we're, and, theater, and our yeah. generation unfortunately we've been paying into different jobs that pay into a canadian pension plan that uh-huh. by the time we we need to retire it ain't gonna be enough right so uh-huh. i think that there's for me i i i i have a particular vision of where i want my life to be that is free from this sort of like hustle bustle capitalist you kind of keep working till you work right but to get there requires patience and requires me to play the long game which is like you know like looking at your career in the long game what where do i want to move what are the sort of strategic plays that i need to do who do i need to collaborate with even if what i get out of that collaboration isn't what i need right now christopher mcquarrie uh director of the mission most recently mission impossible Mm -hmm. series Mm -hmm. tweeted out a thread today Mm mm-hmm and, and by today, we mean like way back in October when this is being recorded. Yes, Sorry. Yes. So we're dating ourselves October, by doing this. Uh, yes, I know. October so 23rd. October 23rd. So go back to Chris McQuarrie's uh, tweets. But he tweeted a thread of exactly what we're talking about, coincidentally, mm-hmm. in regards mm-hmm. wow. to either playing the long game or playing mm-hmm. the lottery. Mm-hmm. So he describes wow. in, in, in uh, long story short, he describes he he never got successful by approaching people trying to sell his script. Wow. He got successful because he sat down and made his yeah, script absolutely. and made his absolutely, work. Absolutely. Right? And so you can play the lottery, he mm-hmm. claims, by, you know, sending your scripts out, mm-hmm. hoping they get read mm-hmm. or hoping you get that quote unquote general mm-hmm. meeting. Mm-hmm. But if those don't work out, what next? Mm-hmm. You're waiting for your break when you can actually just create your own break exactly. by just exactly. working, by exactly. just getting into it. And, and I think that, exactly. that to me, I'm always wild by any artist. I look, you know, and part of the reason of being pushing 30 is such a, to me, such a big deal. Cause I feel like I look at people in their forties and that is when I think you're fully driving your own career. Like, I think that by the time you're 40, ideally not everybody, but in, in a general sense, most people, when they're 40, they're driving their own metaphorical car. If that makes sense. Like they're, uh-huh. they're in the, they're like, they're in full control of their career. They're, they see a trajectory that they want to go up and, or they're switching careers, but yeah. there's a sort of like, 
control over that? Well, I think of it like it's like we're always <clears throat> we're driving a van. Mm-hmm. Say there's uh, in a typical van, what let's say whatever Dodge, basically you know Dodge, Dodge caravan, caravan, right? Yeah, yeah. Seven seater, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not everyone could fit in our van. Yeah. No. Not everyone could fit in your not, van not and, 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 and go along for the ride. Mm-hmm. So I think of life as us driving this van mm-hmm. and dropping people off as and picking people, people up. up. Absolutely. It's like, Absolutely. hey, what's your name? All right, let's Absolutely. come in. You're, how Absolutely. long are you going to stay in this car Absolutely. for? A year and a half? Absolutely. Okay, then what's going to happen? We're going to break up or we're, we're, we're going to have a mutual kind of, you know, we're going to disperse, disperse mutually yeah. mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Go on our own separate ways. Go on our yeah. own separate ways. And for me, that's what I guess a lot of, of what this year specifically, but also – uh, towards the end of this decade has been about is understanding which relationships serve me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, which relationships serve me Absolutely. and which relationships are really those that like will feed my flames yeah. to quote Will Smith or, yeah. or ones who will backtrack. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I also, you know, this is all ties into the whole career support. Like I honestly have seen so many blessings in my career that are a direct result of also taking my eyes outside of my own i don't i, I don't know if i can cuss here but taking like yeah. taking my my we head outside of, i think we got the explicit you blurper, yeah, the yeah take your head out of your own ass and like <laughs> especially in a creative field right now like yeah. i'm like you know my parents always said if you're moving bring people along with you so like if you're if an opportunity is given to you and and you not you can't take it. Make a recommendation for someone else. If yes. there's some, if you sometimes I'm brought into a project and then someone's like, you know like a producer's like yeah, I'm still looking for blah blah. Right away I'm like not only introducing people but I'm like connecting people because uh-huh. I think I've had so many blessings in my career because that's bec- what goes around comes around because people have like recommended me because people have said there's Rodney like I have so many good things happen to me because of that sort of like interweb connection yeah. that it's. I think all the more crucial as well, like as a lot, especially as artists to get out of our own artistic practice and to yeah. like support other artists in actually real meaningful way, like bringing, Absolutely. bringing other people along with you. I think producers, directors, like c- content creators, one of the best things about that is that you're creating industries, you're creating jobs, you're creating, you're creating opportunities for people. And I think that once that happens, like it's a full cycle that yeah. comes back to you like tenfold. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Eric and I, well, I, I feel like I can speak for myself in s- saying, like, if I didn't go to film school, like, the, the funny thing is how you can try and tie back, like, a specific point in, like, your history mm-hmm. to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Exactly. So exactly. It, it's like, basically, if I didn't go to Laurier and if I didn't discover, like, Kevin Smith, then I really wouldn't have fallen in love in a way with film, film. which would have gone me to York, which would have gone me to film school, which would have, would have gone me to working on set, working with the director, getting into a poker group, getting a recommendation, working on set where that guy was an executive producer, working in distribution, going back to school, mm-hmm. ending up where I am. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it's so weird how you can pinpoint an exact moment in time. Yeah. And see, like, wow, you've come from there all the way to where you are right now. Yeah, and I also I would I wish the universe allowed the uh, the flip side to be able to go pin back in time and to see moments that you were too close to an opportunity. Yeah, I'm sure that there are moments where I was closed to an opportunity or I wasn't receptive enough or open enough to what the universe wanted and closed off possibilities for me because of that. Yeah, I think there's a. it's a very random example, but uh, a few days ago I saw a Mercedes commercial mm-hmm. and the Mercedes commercial is an older guy and a younger version of the same guy. Mm-hmm. 
and the younger kid kind of feeling uh, disproportionate and like sort of unmotivated in his younger life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking at these people driving these like more expensive cars and having these wealthier jobs and being more successful than he is and not having that like sort of strength and confidence Mm -hmm. and optimism that Mm -hmm. he will end up like that. Mm -hmm. And it's the older version of himself basically taking the younger version and being like, look what you can achieve if you believe. Look what you can achieve if you're... Uh, if you have your goals mm-hmm. set out in front mm-hmm. of you mm-hmm. and it ends with, yeah, the older guy take getting into his Mercedes and driving off. And, and like, that's not a commercial about the car. That's a commercial about individual growth. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, a commercial of yeah. sure. Say in this case, Mercedes yeah. being the goal, quote yeah, unquote, yeah, yeah. but everybody knows Mercedes are more expensive cars, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Toyota, Mercedes, whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you want to, if you want to arrive at that quote unquote, um, bigger goal, mm-hmm. you have to have confidence in yourself. Absolutely. And that's what that commercial was. And so that's, I think it's really relevant. 100%. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, it's interesting how, huh? because that sort of mindset works on everything. Cause if your yeah. goal is not career oriented, if your goal is, you know what, you would love to be able to sustain life and to produce a family and to love and care for another human being till they're at least 18, that requires the same level of mindset and commitment and openness and opportunity yeah. and growth yeah. and future. And I think that it's in this sort of like connected, disconnected world, this fragmented digital world, I think more than ever, the sort of like foundations to what it means to be a human being, like ambition, future, growth, possibility, like has to be embedded in everything. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're just we're just tweeting away, yeah. <laughs> Instagramming away in like a soul oh. zeitgeist. There you go. So then what are you currently doing to um, like with your work, with your art to... Hmm. How am I framing this question? I, I got to rethink that. Sorry. No, good my, my, my mind is elsewhere. But thinking, I guess, in regards to in regards to what you're doing in your profession now, how is it sort of, uh, I guess, how is it sort of um, uh, fueling what your end goal is? Mm. If you even have an end goal, like does anybody really have an end goal necessarily? Not an one end goal. I definitely have like targets. Like I have, yeah. like, I, like I have goals, but not an end goal. I think that, like if I had to think about where I'm going to be in a decade, like I'm going to be opposite, (laughs) you know, like if if the last decade has shown me anything, things change and you change. And (laughs) And your desires, oh my God. very fast. Holy crap. Right, so quick. Um, I think one of the things right now, specifically in my work, is that I've been really focused on doing more work on my own self. So Uh I, you know, I just came off, I just did a show at Summerworks, the Summerworks Festival this summer, and it's the traditional format that I'm used to when I'm choreographing, which is I choreograph on other bodies. Like, yeah. I love dancing for other people, but on myself, I actually, oftentimes I'm always creating on other people. So this fall at Dance Makers, I'm doing my, my first solo work, which sound like it, it's like solo work, like on myself. Like it's a solo, solo work, full 20 minutes, just me creating it, performing it. And that to me is like the biggest challenge, <laughs> but it was something that I wanted to do this year because I think it, 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 it further positions me in my own art. Um, as a cr- movement creator, sometimes we're so separate from our work, yeah. you know, like I've, I've, I've seen plays, I've seen uh, films, I've seen bodies of work in which the person who generated the movement and the work are so separate, which is so different from where I orient, like move, mm-hmm. like the work is so Ooh, so personal for me. So um, I'm really like, it, I, I'm, I'm skipping the line because most dancers 
don't become solo artists till much later in their career. And I, I just felt really the call this year to start focusing on my presenting work on my own body and presenting work on myself and kind of not really accepting the BS that tells me I need to be a mature artist to be doing that. Like most solo artists are older for sure. Like it's like a thing. It's like a rite of passage that you do after you've danced for a company. Cause you know, the idea is that if you're a producer, are you going to invest in one? Like, do you, can that one person sustain your audience? So are you going to present a solo artist? Like it's, it, it takes, it takes a good show for you to be able to do that. Um, and to be honest with you, like I'm going to Stratford next year. Ooh. Oh, wow. I'm doing Stratford as of February. Yeah. So that was a, a, a little bit of a change as of August. So amazing. It's, it's, I know, I feel really thankful. I feel uh-huh. really thankful. But it's been five months. It's like a five month countdown. And I feel like I have to squeeze every idea that I have because the Stratford contract's like long. Like it's, 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 you're giving a good chunk of your year away. Uh-huh. Um, and I've, the last every week has been a new project has just been like these are you know like collaborators that i've been talking to for a year and we're like let's just get in the studio and actually just get this thing moving like let's get this moving you know um i've always wanted to do site-specific work um and for so blm's fifth year anniversary in november we're doing a, a sort of public installation um and that itself is a new challenge like outdoors uh, unsanctioned performance like it's 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 it that is it's it's like i've never done that before so yeah. I've, I've the last five months specifically i've been like do things that i haven't never done to usher myself to 30 and we'll see how that goes yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that That's goes fantastic i wanted to i wanted to um so to bring up so black lives matter and your involvement with black lives mm-hmm. matter can you can you talk can you speak to that yeah yeah so i'm a co-founder of black lives matter toronto um so Almost five years ago, November 2014, yeah. um, when Mike Brown, um, who got shot in Ferguson, um, Ferguson was really like the sort of like Trayvon Martin was like the beginning of Black Lives Matter. But Ferguson in 2014 was just like where it got catapulted. And we came together and a group of us who knew each other from very like kind of like distant connections, if that makes sense. Like we okay. knew of each other. Yeah. And we knew we were the best people to to get together to do the work, but hadn't really known each other that much. Came and we're like, let's just organize a vigil and an action and just bring people together. And we did it in like 24 hours and like 3,000 wow. people came out and oh on, on a snowy day. And that began a sort of uh, cascading roller coaster called Black Lives Matter Toronto. Um it really came out of necessity. Like there was no, at the time I actually was moving, I was living back and forth between Calgary and Toronto. Yeah. I was, I was not in a place to like, I was sh- closing off on my volunteering. Like I was like, I'm going to focus on my career, blah, 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 blah. But it, it 2014 was a moment. Like it was a, the, the, the spark and the energy in this city was so necessary. The city is needs a lot of black activism mm-hmm. um, specifically up here um, and yeah, it's, it's been, it's been the journey of my life. It's been the journey of my life. And through that, like from 2014, it's brought me to so many opportunities, had a chance to meet with so many people working globally in a global network with organizers and activists from Brazil down to UK, down to California is like the most exhilarating things. I've learned the most skills that I've ever learned. <laughs> um, I've made the most enemies I've ever made. <laughs> 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 right? Like,
like it's it's better when it's you better put yourself cookie. out there it's like it, you're, you're kind of welcoming yourself it's like here i am People, you gotta accept I me i was just i was just i was just like actually reflecting on this the other day and it's like thinking about i i, I feel like the reason why the reason why i have like gained so many relationships, mm -hmm. but also lost so mm -hmm. many relationships mm -hmm. is maybe because being involved in so many things yeah. sort of brings about all the news. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Always. Is that right? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm still I, trying to process this and I just, I don't and know. And not everybody agrees with you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think yeah. that again, with, even with, with BLM, like I always knew who I was and I always know who my, my friends and my people are, but that is not necessarily taken up the same so it's not accepted by it's everybody. not exactly so yeah. and it's it's and you're inherently i my parents always my dad always says when you start talking politics you're gonna make best friends and best enemies because right. people are gonna connect some people are like oh my gosh you know we'll reach out and be like you're the blm guy blah 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 blah, blah, blah and tell me about all of their like I've I've been stopped on subways on and like hearing I, the most. I'm surprised people would recognize you like out of the blue like that. Honestly, especially black folks. Like it's back in the day. Also, I had blue hair. Like, oh, okay. I, I had a very distinctive. Okay, this, really? And I was the only guy in the team. Oh, okay. So there was already an, a marker like by like by nature of that, and right. it's it it's incredibly humbling to just like people are so gen like generous with their experiences like. Things that I'm like, oh, I'll keep that. I would never tell. I would like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily meet you and then share all of my issues. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there was this real sense that people needed just somebody to listen to in the city. And, right. and, and the peak of BLM, it was almost like a full-time job. Like it was like interviews left, right, and center. You're doing US net networks. You're doing networks here. You're uh, writing op-eds. Like it was like full-time work and yeah. it's it's been the work of my life. Yeah. So then what what would be the state of uh, BLM right now? Like not just your involvement, but of like the whole- The movement. whole, I mean, okay. The, I, that's a very complicated question. I know it's a complicated very question. Very complicated yeah. question. We can go um, on for hours about that. Very complicated. Canada's different than the US. I yeah. think Canada, we're actually, we are on a trajectory that I feel really good about. You know, we're celebrating our fifth year anniversary. Good. As part of that, I'm, some of us are going to announce our transition. Um, you know, I've been, we've been at the helm for five years. It's activist movements to me shouldn't, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be a lifelong thing. Yeah. Like I think that I'm seeing the sense of like, oh, I need some like fresh, new, young, like enraged uh, energy. So in Canada, I think we are, we are, we we were just about to open a space um, on Geary Avenue, a multi-purpose space for black art and activism, which has been a year project. We have a book that's coming out in February um, and it's an anthology of authors across the country that are speaking to like their experience living black, like imagine black people living in the Yukon. Like, yeah, they do exist, <laughs> right? Like, right, like what is that life when you're like, okay, I'm in a literal, like I'm in a place where my ancestors would never have thought I'd be. <laughs> like I'm in Yukon. So the, you know, I'm ex so excited about the project. I think in the States, a it's a different story. Yeah. If you've watched anything, even the Mueller report, anything about the US politics, BLM as a vehicle has been used incessantly to just create havoc. So if you know it, the part of it, it's so the part of the Russian, the Russian investigation, Trump, all of that stuff. Yeah. Part of that whole issue is in part how bots, like online bots, were using 
we're using um, pro or anti-BLM sentiments and fake messaging to stir up the elections. Uh, the, in the U.S., we see, like, FBI surveillance. Like, there's a number of activists who are, like, the Federal Bureau of Investigations surveilling you. Like, that's not, like, that's not, <laughs> that's not, like, Toronto Police Services. Like, that's, like, yeah. CSI-level stuff. That's, like, yeah. a, a agencies with endless resources and people that are mothers that are... So in the States, to be honest with you, it's a clusterfuck. And part of the reason that it's a clusterfuck is, you know, BLM rose... And then with the election of Trump, the anti anti black, anti migrant, anti people anti who are anything, anything, yeah, who are seeing a direction that the U.S. is going as not what they want, you know, the Make America Great Again, whatever that means. And so what I what I notice more and more in the states is that the sort of culture wars are like so um, prevalent. They're so prevalent. It's so extreme. So therefore, it's so hard. I think yeah. it's so hard to be gen- to be thinking about generating new ideas of what it means to be a better world, but you spend most of your time fearing that it's a troll that's going to attack you. It's FBI that's going to attack you doing congressional hearings, like people getting stuck in like the politic of it. And I think that if BLM is to survive as a global movement, there has to be a way to take ourselves out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think we did it well here. Like there was a moment where there was so much noise that we were like, hold on none of us work for this. We're all volunteers. Like there was a moment that it, like I had to really be like, well, because you're entering in a space, you're entering uh, in, um, in the city at a time where it's most needed, it's right? It's most like, needed. Where, where, where conversations are, are, are rising. Yeah. And so people, like you were saying, people need black lives matter as a, as a, as a tool of expression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And I think, and I think there's also a way that, especially with activists too, like there was people are inspired People need you, but to me, the third step is that actually you, you overall, I, why I love BLM is that you can do it yourself. Right. right. It's like, right. you, you, this can be an inspiration and then come in, take the baton and let's do it together. Exactly. But I think that especially in now this digital age, activists, um, people treat a lot of activists like politicians. So what I mean by that is that, you know, politicians are paid to represent you. So there's a level of expectation that we have of politicians. Yes. So we're like, no, you will listen to me. Yeah. No, uh, you will, you will, like, you will, I will, you will bombard d- address you our concerns. You will address yeah. our concerns. I will, I will, I, there's expect, like threshold of expectation. I will listen to every word you say and I will like take it as fact. I will challenge you. There's, that's more and more I'm seeing that happens with our activists and community organizers, which to me is like, no, like across the board, any young activist that's like, how do you find balance? I'm like, you don't have to do this. Yeah. Like you're doing it. There's some, there's a call deep inside that says something has to be wrong and you're doing it and you're volunteering and you're giving your body and you're giving your spirit and you're giving your energy. And that has to be the, the reason to do it. It's not to get on CNN. It's not to be fighting with Russian bots. It's not to be like, it's not, it's not to be. It's not to further yourself as like, exactly. it's for the greater good of the entire idea of it. And, and, and it's not for you. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And even like, you know, for the first, for the first like three years of BLM, I, it was very, I, uh, there weren't that many co-founders left. Like there was a, T- a BLM trio. There were like maybe five co-founders left. And then we onboarded new leaders and organizers. And generally it's like, I, I didn't. I didn't need to be at the forefront. Like I, I actually, I knew my role as the strategist in the team, as the media person of the team was, and I had a lot of skill sets behind the scene of managing. And I also knew that 
we've already seen so many charismatic uh, cisgendered black men's leading people. But like, it was important to me to get the women to get, to, it's important to me to provide space for trans folks to, to be at the forefront. It was important for me to, and all of us to actually have a movement that really represented people and that did things differently. And continually why I love working with this team here in Toronto is that we're continually trying to reinvent things differently Yeah, because historically the world hasn't been good to activists. Yeah. Historically, if you're looking at a lot of the Black Panther activists, activists in the 60s, many of them ended up being in jail, bankrupt, or in exile, or killed and dead. Like that's really, those are, those are some of the endings that, that happens, especially when you start getting like the FBI surveilling you, like that, uh-huh. that doesn't end. <laughs> that doesn't just start, right? Like, especially when you start being an enemy of the state. Yeah. Um, so in Toronto, we've always just, always try to keep our heads ahead of that. Always. What is the bigger picture? Like what is, um, separating ourselves from the noise and, I'm I I feel nothing but joy and pride for every, everything that people have put in this city and all the sweat. Like I'm talking here, but like when I tell you, like hundreds of people, like it takes a hundreds of people, yeah. our entire work. People will be like, "Oh, how how did you afford?" You know, because one of the things for us is accessibility. So we can't bring three thousand people on the streets without accessibility. Like you can't do that without water. You can't do that without yeah. you know, like yeah. We, Everybody was there at the Raptors parade, right? When everybody mm-hmm. was like overheated, couldn't find washrooms, couldn't like, what, there's a logistic to bringing people together, whether it's sports, protest, anything. You need yeah. to think about people and people would always criticize us to be like, well, like, how'd you get the money to do this? And across the board, BLM's entire budget is literally like individual people's making like $5 monthly donations on PayPal, like five, 10, 15, 10. 10. Like yeah. it's, there's something about the energy that the city the way that the city holds the team, that that until that is as long as that continues, I'll continually have energy. I think it amazes. It. I think it amazes people what 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 can be created on such. Uh, I quite frankly low budgets, yeah, right? But absolutely. it is. But it does take a village, and it does take all that enthusiasm absolutely. and energy. Um, before we wrap up, I wanted to <clears throat> just track back to a previous thing I said, where a conversation that we had mm-hmm. a year and a half ago in the car coming back from the ARC, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. at the end of that conversation. Oh my gosh, longest shoot. Lo- right? No, it was long. <laughs> long. It was, I, I'll, it, to, to summarize, it's a, it's a, it's a piece um, exploring black freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shay Ogunlesi, mm-hmm. uh, the director, mm-hmm. uh, I, think, I believe traveled around mm-hmm. Canada. Was Still funded. has, yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah. yeah, just came back from Halifax in August. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. There you go. And he's mm-hmm. still interviewing people. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be, uh, be on board the, the project and um, as one of the producers for like uh, just a two or three day shoot we did uh, last summer. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation. We were mm-hmm. stuck in traffic. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? For like yeah, an I do hour. For like a long time. An hour time. and a half. Yeah. That guy cut me off in front of me. I remember. I remember. remember that? Oh my gosh. It was the longest drive. Oh my God. <laughs> Trying to get back downtown. <laughs> it was insane. And uh, I, I, we had a, a fantastic conversation with two other individuals. End of that conversation, I said, I, 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 I think I want to start a podcast. I, I want to keep talking to people. Mm-hmm. And you said, fucking do it. Just do it. Just do it. You're Literally, just human. do it. I'm that's so proud. It. That's exa- like, if there's, that's my, honestly, like it's the Nike model, I guess, just do it. But like, it really helped. Just do it. Like there is nothing, there, nothing that I'm doing right now that's paying my bills that I'm, existed before. Yeah. I decided they need to exist. Like it's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, not yeah. I decided that sounds like, but it's like the, until no, it was generated. Putting, yeah, exactly. Like you're putting that, that, that forth. Mm. Um, how are you making this year, your year? Oh, nice transition. Wow. You're learning. 
You got it. You got it. How am I making this year my year? To be honest with y'all, I maybe it's because I'm getting a little older. I'm I'm making this year my year by focusing more less on work, more on me and family. I think that um I I I feel confident about my trajectory with work. I feel like my five year plan is working. Like I feel like I'm on I don't want to path about that. But I am I am very much concerned about where we're at as a generation. I'm concerned about uh I'm concerned about our fixation with our phones. I'm concerned about how impersonal we've become as human beings. Sometimes I, I realize I'm not even looking at people in the eye when I talk to them anymore. <laughs> Have you noticed that people don't even say you're welcome anymore? Like it's like, thank you, no sweat. Thank you, quiet. Thank <laughs> you. Like it's there, I think there's a sense of detachment from the real world that I this year I will make it my mission to focus on personal growth and on relationship buildings and to getting back to what it matters um and hopes that that mental health (laughs) you know breathing Uh taking taking care dealing with trauma maybe having sustainable relationships maybe thinking about you know like all of these things I'm making it my year by focusing on me and I and I have a wager. I have I like I I I'm, I will bet that by doing that, that will only mean positive things with all other aspects of my life. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. Make Amen. it your year. Oh my God! Amazing. Thank um, you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for this. Thank has been you. very this insightful. Thank so you for incredible. Me. Just incredible, incredible discussion, guys. Thank you so much. Rich, lively discussion. Rich, lively discussion. <laughs> to continue. To be continued. To be continued. <laughs> season two. Thank you for having me. Happy season two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.